Well, I really think in, in the culture we're facing, the climate we're facing of um, um, conservative content being suppressed, that the idea of building your own lists of people that you manage and you control mm -hmm. is becoming more and more vital. So email is definitely a core to that. So um, kind of going back to early 2000s and thinking about how do we, you know, thinking through how do we build our email list again and, and thinking through with all the new tools we have and connection points, how do you uh, continue to build that list? It's important. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Well, welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I've got John Schwartz with me today. John is the Digital Communications Manager with the ministry Truth for Life. And Truth for Life is the teaching ministry of Alistair Begg. Maybe you've heard it on the radio. Um, so, so John and I have actually worked together at various times over the years, both at 5Q and, and other places. So John, welcome to the podcast. Um, first, just tell us, how long have you been working in the digital space? Boy, I was a freelancer uh, starting in 1999, 98, something like that. Um, like my almost before the internet was around. Yeah, I, I built my first website when I was a youth pastor in the mid 90s before anyone even knew what it was. And I, I even had the the URL on the on the church sign and I'm sure no one ever used it. But uh, wow, yeah, I've been, been thinking about it since then. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, you've been a pioneer in this because 99, I, you know, I got involved with full-time in 97 and in that same same time frame too. So you've seen lots of different changes over the years. So why don't you just walk us through some of your work history, especially as it relates to the uh, to the digital side of things. Where have you, where have you worked? And My yeah. first few jobs were more in the um, business world. Uh, I worked for a printer in Centralia, Washington. I worked for um, another printer in Olympia, Washington. And and then uh, in 2000, got into uh, ministry for the first time in a missions agency down in Texas. And they just gave me a blank check. So I cut my teeth on, on the things there, made a lot of horrendous, hideous looking websites for a while and uh, learned that my, my, you know, began to learn that my so skills. Did, did, did you ever use the blink tag when you're making those hideous websites? Yes, I have used the blink tag. <laughs> uh, I remember using a, a little dog GIF uh, or GIF, however you want to say it, uh, on one website at a printer. It's funny. Um, That's great. But yeah, I got I moved more into leadership management of, uh, of of other people, of programmers and designers, probably 2002, and have been that way ever since. Really, kind of the same position. Okay. Okay. And. You say, is it? Has you, have you been always working in the digital space since around 2000? Then, yeah, really about 2000. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. What What have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen over the years in the digital space? Um, that's a good question. Um, boy, just pick a topic. Uh, it It became a. It, it began in in the early 2000s as a 
you know, folks kind of understood it was the direction things were headed and then has shifted now to where it's uh, vital. Uh, the digital realm, digital communications is um, a must have. And uh, I think in the nonprofit world, especially where I've been, it's been a, a in catch up mode, it seems like all these years. And, uh, and my, I really don't like that. I, I, I want to be not cutting edge, but um, in a place where you're, you know, leading, uh, I guess would be a good way of saying. Um, at, what, what's another, how, how would you else, would you say that question, Chad? No, I, I, so, so well, let, me, let me just play on what you just said as far as wanting to be on, I like to say, we, we, we like to help ministries not be on the bleeding edge, but be on the leading edge. Well, that's great. And, and so, so what are some guidelines that you might use to, to help to know when do you adopt a technology and when do you start like not supporting a technology anymore? Do you have any guidelines that you use for that? Yeah, I think uh, some things that come to mind, good question would be, um, you don't want to be the first, um, but you don't want to be waiting too long as well. So just a little bit of nuance there, but you don't want to be trying a new platform or a new software, uh, a new idea until you've seen others uh, implement it, or you have folks on staff that are experts at that, and, and maybe you can take a, uh, your, put your toe in the water, but um, that, I mean, that's one way I look at it. I don't want to be first. I want to see it out in the real world and working. And then another way of looking at it would be, is it, uh, is it meeting a need? Is it going to make the ministry more profitable in some sense uh, or save time um, in, in, in a real world um, manner? Or sometimes, uh, you know, it is something you want to test in the, kind of in a, uh, a low visible a lower visibility um, kind of way. And, you know, sometimes you want to test something uh, for a while before you then put it out into production. But um, I mean, those are some things I think through. No, those are all good. I know another guideline that I've used over the years when I was working in a similar role to where you're at is I use the 10% rule. So when an audience, when your audience, when t if, if a technology is in the process of being adopted, if 10% of your audience has adopted it, you should be supporting it. Like when mobile came on the scene, you know, when about 10% of the audience, you, you, you should have been adopting it by about that point. And then likewise, if a technology is declining, like browser, browsers or resolution on your screen monitors back in the day, you know, when it's less than 10% of your audience is using it, you shouldn't be spending resources continuing to develop or support that. And, uh, for, for ministries, we found I found that to be a pretty helpful helpful guideline too. Yeah, I know you've done a lot of work in email over the years, and uh, growing email. And a lot of some people would say, "Well, email is dead." And uh, uh, just talk to us about some of your experience, some of the trends you've seen in email, and some of the some of the ways how you've seen it continue to be an effective tool, or do you see it continue to be an effective tool? with social media and how does all that mix fit together for you guys? I think it's a vital, vital um, a leg to your stool. Uh, you, there's just no way of not, it, it, it's, it would be short-sighted to put email aside. So I you know I, I see it used really well with, um, well, I, I really think in, in the culture we're facing, the climate we're facing of um, um, conservative content being suppressed that, 
the idea of building your own lists of people that you manage and you control mm. is becoming more and more vital. So email is definitely a core to that. So mm-hmm. um, kind of going back to early 2000s and thinking about how do we, you know, thinking through how do we build our email list again and, and thinking through with all the new tools we have and connection points, how do you uh, continue to build that list? It's important. And then using that um, to drive uh, folks to content, to drive them to monthly subscriptions, to drive them mm. or to communicate with new users or new facets within your user database uh, to communicate autom- in an automated sense is really important. Um, as a platform, it's kind of stuck back in 2005, really hasn't progressed much. You have to treat it as its own mm. Uh, programming um, world it's antiquated a lot of the plat- a lot of the email clients haven't updated and um, or, or gone you know beyond where they were 10 years ago so uh, it takes someone that needs to be it takes someone being dedicated to looking it over I use a tool uh, email on asset I think is a tool just to to test across multiple platforms it's kind of a must must have still. Um, and when you say the like test, you're talking to make sure that your emails look the same or look good on all different platforms, browsers, and email readers. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Look decent and not broken. You'll never get them yeah. to look the same. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's good. Any other tools or tips that you've you've seen and that users might might find helpful? Making use of marketing automation tools like uh, mm-hmm. HubSpot or what's the one that you often use, Chad, these days? Yeah, we've just started using SharpSpring. SharpSpring, that's uh, it, yeah. Yep. So making use of those tools to do things like A-B testing, uh, to manage all your forms, uh, you know, to dropping names into the database correctly, those kinds of things. You don't, wanna, don't want to be doing any of this by hand. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, just talk to us a little bit about your tech stack. You mentioned HubSpot and and the tool that you use for test testing. What what other uh, what does your tech stack look like with your on the digital side right now? Well, um, we use a, a, a Python uh, backend for our web, uh, and then we use the latest uh, JavaScript. You know the standard um, web stack program web languages. Um, mm-hmm and uh, more and more try and fine tune that. Um, uh, other things we use that are important would be uh, our marketing automation. Like I mentioned, we use HubSpot. Um, mm-hmm. So that manages a lot of our email and social media um, forms, landing pages, blog. Uh, it, it does a lot of the heavy lifting for us and condenses the, um, the skill sets and people needed to manage all that. Um, do those systems tie in back into your CRM or the ministry CRM in any way? And what do you use for your CRM? We use uh, Studio Enterprise, which is a, a suite from DonorDirect out of Texas. Um, and so we do we do quite a bit more and more um, API scripts, you know, connections, integrations between uh, all these tools. Um, uh, is, is becoming more and more of a, a need these days is connecting your your different tools and, and softwares together and uh, meeting business outcomes. Um, what's some other areas, uh, things that we... Well, we talked email, we talked website. 
What about mobile? Do you, what do you use for your mobile and do you use anything to manage your social side of things? Social is managed by HubSpot. Um, okay. Our app is is developed in the uh, Facebook React um, mm -hmm. languages. It uses web languages, really. Um, so is that a custom web app that you guys built? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's custom. Uh huh. Um, yeah, no, that's I mean, good. It's, it's that's good. Yeah, you you talked earlier about like your. I think you used the analogy of a, you know. Email is one of the legs on the stool. Um, what are some of the other legs on the stool that as you think about your digital components, what are some of the other important legs that you see that are, that are really important that, that uh, a ministry should be thinking about? Yeah, for any ministry, obviously the, the content is a key hmm. part of the, the stool and, and um, I was thinking about that on the way over. Um, being consistent with that content and uh, in both frequency and um, doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, it seems like less and less is the goal of being perfect, but uh, good, good quality audio and, um, or, or well-written. It just depends on what kind of content you're creating, but mm -hmm. a consistent content. Have you guys dive much into the uh, video content side of things? Well, we uh, somewhat, not as much as we'd like. Um, and mm -hmm. and that's, that's a real difficult one for some ministries like ours. We, we just have had a hard time uh, getting good quality video production on staff, it's a lot, so much more complicated than, than it seems. If, if you're wanting to do highly produced uh, mm -hmm. content, uh, there's another philosophy would be just as organic as, as you uh, can produce on your phone. And, and I, I'm, I would more lean that direction. It'd be better to do that than nothing. But um, mm -hmm. we do um, put uh, attention to the weekly sermon uh, mm -hmm. content that comes out and, and do a good job with that. But it's, so it's pretty limited. So, um, so e yeah, e emails a, a stool or a leg to stool, uh, content, um, social media, uh, for which, sure is which, another. Which are the social media platforms that you're getting most traction on right now? And, and when different ones pop up, like TikTok and others, what is your guys' approach to some of the new the new ones that come out? Do you jump on them? Do you not jump on them? Or how do you how do you how do you approach that on the social media side? That that's that's a tough one. Um, but uh, there needs to be we'll jump into that if there's a demand from users. Is very much uh, we listen, keep our ear to the ground. There there hasn't mm -hmm. been much change, and we could have jumped into Snapchat or. Uh, others. I think the most recent one that we've don't jumped into more aggressively is Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but even, you know, then we don't really maintain it like you, you, you should. It's more of just keeping. Which other ones are you on? Are you well, obviously Facebook, probably Facebook, yeah, Facebook Twitter, on? Instagram, YouTube um, okay. are, are the primaries. Yeah. Uh, YouTube okay. is growing quickly. Um, Instagram is growing quickly. Facebook has stopped growing because I don't try and grow that anymore. But Facebook is where I see the most return from and where I spend the most marketing dollars hmm. uh, for selling product or getting new names, those kinds of endeavors. So how, that brings up a good, good question. How, how do you measure success for your digital efforts? It depends if I'm just trying to get eyeballs on content. I'm more looking at cost per click and, you know, I want to, uh, it depends, but I'd like to see it, a, you know, a few cents per click if I can. 
uh, which sometimes so you're so you're paying buying ads on Facebook or other places for for driving that traffic. Yeah, so I'm looking at call to action um, or, or completed action costs for content. It would be click costs um, uh-huh. for getting donations or or selling product. It would be cost per acquisition, and I want to keep that. Uh, and that that's different for everybody, but I, I I like to keep it under seven or eight bucks an acquisition. It okay. you could do a lot better. You could do a lot more. It really depends on what what are the numbers uh, for something like uh, average lifetime giving for a donor, for example. And, and then you can do the math, work backwards, and know what what are you willing to pay for a name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, talk talk to me about have you been effectively or successful to take a brand new person who's not familiar with your ministry at all, pay seven, eight bucks for that name and actually make them a donor? Or do you have a more process first, get them on your file and then eventually become donors? Talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about that. I see both. Um, I see probably three ways. Um, uh, there's immediate giving, which is amazing, but um, I'll target non, I'll target audiences that that don't follow us, not fans. Maybe they do know about us, but mm. from a Facebook standpoint, they don't. Um, and I'll see 20 to 30% of those store purchases mm. uh, give a donation on the way out uh, through, through the checkout process. So sometimes we're making new names, donors right out of the gate. So, so John, when you're um, actually getting new donors, are you promoting like on Facebook to become a donor or do you promote product? And if so, what kind of products do you find are most effective? For, for me, for us, we've rarely seen it work just to promote straight donation for whatever reason. Um, so I'm typically um, promoting a product that's got pretty wide appeal across, you know, the evangelical or, you know, that, that kind of a segment. Um, and so the, the product has to have pretty good appeal. Maybe it's a USB um, that's low priced and free shipping mm. um, that gets interest that way. And so, and then when they get to the landing, the landing page, the product page, making sure that free shipping again is indicated, uh, their low price is visible, um, selling the attributes of the product carefully. Um, and that's usually enough um, to take a good stab at it. And then I'm watching for the first day or two, what's the cost per acquisition. And if it's not great, I'll tweak some for a day or two. And if not, after that, I'll turn it off and try again. Good, good. So, so I'm curious, you, you said you sell like one of your products is USB, sermons on USB. Have you had much effect, success or effectiveness selling actual digital product like digital downloads? How, how do those compare? Those, those have done well here and there. We haven't done a lot and um, usually doesn't do quite as well. We have actually sold a downloadable audiobook. That's That's done well before. Um, hmm. uh, PDF or, or, or an ebook, not so much. Um, okay. I think there's too much uh, differences in the, in the platforms and, and it's just not ubiquitous. So I... Uh, not not as successful. So books and and USBs um, are are primary. That's good. So so at five Q, we like to talk about the five multipliers of digital impact, and it's it's your typical funnel. You know awareness, engagement, 
conversion rates, the average value of a, of a, of a gift, and then retention. Um, so if you, as you think about that, where those, those different areas, awareness, engagement, conversion rates, average value, and retention, for, at Truth For Life, where do you find yourself giving the most attention? That's a good question. Um, probably where we're most focused in the last two to three years has been retention. And our last nut to crack is really getting um, better data to know some of these key metrics such as average lifetime giving and, and we're woefully behind there. So, um, and that's just been a matter of uh, not having enough uh, IT staff and uh, folks that can write uh, reports and things like of that nature. So when we, when we um, have some of those numbers, then that's gonna drive better, um, better success and uh, real world understanding of how the marketing dollars are, are being used. And then it will open the door, I think, to uh, being able to justify doing more, for example. So, so right now, are you able to get the lifetime value of a donor at we any, could, any level? Waiting, we could, but I'm, I'm waiting on somebody to do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. What, what, what does your staffing look like? Like what does your team How's your team structured? Uh, for us, uh, we are pretty lean as a ministry. We only have maybe 27 or eight full-time staff, uh, most of those on site in Cleveland. Um, so for the website, I do have, yeah. um, for the digital communications, there are uh, four of us, three of us on site, one in Texas, and then we rely pretty heavily on, on vendors for okay. a lot of the app programming, or some of the more foundational backend programming for the, the Python site, the API writing, um, the, in, in the app. Um, sure. Quite a bit. So what, what are the roles that you've chosen to bring on staff? Um, more of those focused on content. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, some of the front and backend programming that's most close to the surface that, that um, our day-to-day, a um, little bit less skill set kinds of things, things that um, we can have some control over and get get done day-to-day. -day, I guess if that if that's a way of putting mm -hmm. it. Um, the the vendors take on more of a project-based look at uh, new features or, or bugs, those kinds of things. Okay, okay, good. When you come up or your team comes up with a new idea, how do you test? How how do you test new ideas? on the digital team? Um, we're really conservative at Truth for Life. So there aren't a lot of new ideas that actually get implemented. Um, if they do, it's it's a matter of um, getting getting board approval or, or management team approval. And um, so, so let me ask you that, does it have to, I mean, do some of your new ideas have to go all the way up to board approval or? It depends. Yeah, yeah, where, does that, where does that go? Not always. Um, just depends. I'm thinking more big, big ideas, uh, smaller ideas, more management level. And uh, starting with, uh, like you'd build a website, you start with concepts first before you build it and, and uh, demonstrate the idea, the outcomes and the rationale and, and get buy-in. And then uh, pushing that out to test development servers and um, or test apps and making sure that uh, what was intended is actual, uh, actually meeting 
the expectations for the whoever the stakeholders are. Mm -hmm. um, and then if that's you know approval there, then getting it out into the real world. Yeah. Good. So you walked through a little bit. The next, the next question I was going to ask you actually is is around upper management and how do you help upper management engage and get on board with digital initiatives? They are less interested in details and more interested uh, visuals can, communicates well, mm. it seems. And then also uh, finances speaks well as well. So if you can demonstrate uh, past return on investment and how that it, you know springboards off of that or accentuates or something like that, or you know, your best guess. Um, uh, it depends, uh, definitely. It depends on the project and what, uh, for us at Truth For Life to, it's got to fulfill the mission. Um, it has to somehow, not just because it's, it might work or it might be good to do, but it's gotta support the mission. Yeah, yeah. What one area trend that we've seen kind of, area that we've seen quite a bit of growth in recent years is around using personalization to be effective in both communicating and converting, converting visitors to become donors, all those different things. In fact, we had one ministry that 2019 Giving Tuesday raised $20,000 and they added personalization, raised $120,000 in, uh, in one day. Using using personalization is has has have you guys been using personalization in any way to to tailor the asks based on where a person is in their uh, in their in their user journey and how 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 are some of the ways that you've been able to use that to help scale your ministry? I think we're still pretty low tech with personalization. I mean, we do do the basics, you know, kind of must have segmentation when it comes to emailing or yep. direct mail or um, ask even online a little bit, but um, there's so much more that that's kind of a big, a big idea. The next thing for us in the, in the next couple of years, um, we really want to build customized uh, content distribution that allows mm -hmm. folks to build their own playlists of stuff uh, and share it or do whatever with it, um, yeah. print it, et cetera. So, um, and, and then that's wrapped in so much different kinds of personal personalization uh, potential. So uh, yeah. really for us, uh, the personalized content idea is our, our next big thing as a ministry. Sweet, sweet. Well, when, as you dive in, just a short commercial fraternity, our personalization platform, we had, uh, you know, like what you're talking about, the content side, we've got one ministry that's integrated Journity with their CRM, with their content management system or their CMS, content management system, so that every, every time a person clicks on a specific content and the con content affinity, basically when you go to their homepage, you can, depending on who you are and what you visited in the past, you'll see something different. And you don't have to log in, but it's all based, it's all driven from a person's content affinity and API integration directly with the, uh, the CMS. So, you know, the tools are, are being out there more and more. So as you, as you flow through that, yeah, love to see some of the experiments you guys do and try, try over time. That'll be good. To so see. they are, they are tagging content pieces with certain tags categories that they then pull back into journey. Yeah, so they're they're using um, the meta meta tags, 
to be able to tag their content. And then, then they're using those content profiles based on when, when a person inside a journey goes to a different area on the website, we can say this is their content affinity. So then they can say either, well, we want to drive more content like this, or we say, we know they're interested in that. They may also be interested in this type of content so they can drive parallel tracks. And it's all hidden to the user. They're, they're not even logged in. It's, it's all, uh, all hidden, but they've been able to see increased engagement. And at the end of the day is about increased fundraising and mm -hmm. they've been able to drive fundraising. I'd be happy to more to share, share more details offline on what yeah. they're doing with that. Sounds good. But yeah. So, so last question for you. Um, you know me, I'm a reader. I like to learn. And so my question for you is what's one book or blog or resource that you've read or watched recently that you can re recommend to our audience? And that can be on any topic. Hmm. Boy, that's a good question. Got caught me out. I'm prepared for that one, Chad. Um, I figured you'd say something about bees because I know you're a big beekeeper as well in your, uh, in your second life. You know, these days, um, yeah, totally unrelated to uh, a, a book that I'm going back through with a, a few guys is a, a book by um, Rod Dreher, I think is his name. Uh, live not by lies. So uh, my thinking in these days mm -hmm. is in politics and and mm -hmm. um, uh, our culture, where it might be headed as far as uh, even totalitarianism and uh, communist Marxist influences in our culture. And that this book is a lot to do with Solzhenitsyn. Say that word ten times fast. Um, <laughs> and just how he uh, challenged the the church, the the Christians, to to live. Uh, in in a climate of suppression, oppression, whatever. So mm. that's just totally unrelated, but uh, that's that's a book I'm in right now. No, that's great. What was the title of that book again? If you uh, live not by lies, live not by lies. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll make sure we uh, get a link to that in the show notes. And uh, John, thanks so much for joining us on the yeah. on our podcast and. Uh, we wish you the best as you continue to grow Truth for Life and, and their digital outreach and, and the ministry. And uh, just thanks so much for sharing a little bit of your expertise with our audience. 